0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld, by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney, and Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. 3.6 ounces of applesauce has been considered a potential terrorist threat in the last 20 years. When I think of the mundane ways that the horrors of 9-11 20 years ago have infiltrated our lives, one of them is what a TSA staff member has to tell you when you try to go through security with a substance that heretofore was not considered a liquid and somehow became dangerous above a certain ounce level, and I don't blame that TSA agent. I blame Bin Laden, Shamo, and the terrorists who still terrorize our reality. That's one of the things that changed 20 years ago. Another for those of us who grew up, at least in the post-Cold War sense that the world order made sense, It reintroduced us to a reality in which the world was a place to fear, uh, and strangers were scary, and we were just not as optimistic that the next day, week, month, or year would be okay as we had been on September 10th, 2011. I was just beginning my second year as a congregational rabbi in a small shul in upstate New York, Javi was eight and a half weeks pregnant. We were so looking forward to bringing a human being into that world. And it felt very different to imagine bringing a human being into the new world order a few weeks later. I remember sitting on my bed in my bedroom in Monroe, New York, transfixed on our little small TV, like a 11-incher, and not moving for three hours, really having a hard time fathoming that what I was seeing was actually happening, as I'm sure many of you experienced, even if some of you were uh, blessedly uh, asleep on this coast before some of the horrors became apparent. And then spending the rest of the day doing something which you can do in a small community, and that is calling every member of my synagogue and seeing how they are and seeing what their connections were, if any, to the individuals whose lives were impacted so directly in 9/11, we had one member of our community whose brother was in one of the towers and died when it fell. Uh, she un- unfortunately, I suppose is aware that he was still alive after uh, the crash, but perished in the f- in the crumbling. We had one member of the synagogue down the road, the Reform synagogue, who uh, him he himself perished uh, as the towers went down. And I had a friend from USY who worked in that building uh, with whom I'd not been in that much contact recently but was just known to be a generally good guy who was seen departing the building having escaped and then was seen going back in to help rescue others and then was not seen again. And of course, all of you have your own memories and connections times 100, times 1,000, times 10,000. When it comes to a life, there's no sense in trying to quantify it. I said at the beginning of the Torah reading that I was going to go back to that first word later on. So this Torah reading that we just read, that Mark read so beautifully, imagines Moshe in the final days of his life. And it starts with this sentence. First I'll do English and then Hebrew. Moshe went and spoke these things to all the people of Israel. The Hebrew is Vayelech Moshe Vayedaber. Moshe went and he spoke. So the rabbis, as you know, read the Torah as a love letter. Every word is necessary. So if a word is not necessary, what is it telling us? Do we have to be told that Moshe went to God and speak, and spoke? Clearly, if God if Moshe spoke to God, then he went. We don't need the bayelech. Clearly, he was with an earshot of, sorry, not to God, to the Israelites. Clearly, he was with an earshot of the Israelites if he spoke to them. The Italian commentator Sforno says that the Torah includes this verb vayelech so that we would pay attention to Moshe's intent drive to connect with each person that he was about to address and comfort them and strengthen them in advance of his own imminent death. The Sforno says, to wake them up in order to have them experience comfort for his upcoming death. Sforno basically imagines Moshe addressing each one individually, every Israelite, with individual words that were meant for them and only them, and not giving up until he made contact with all of his precious people so that he could say goodbye. As my dear friend and colleague, Rabbi Barry Katz says, there are levels, so many levels to the tragedy of 9-11 which we unfathomably commemorate 20 years now, it's hard for me to imagine that we're as far away from that date, almost as far away from that date, as my birth was to the founding of the state of Israel. 20 years goes by in a crazy quick way. But one of them, the most immediate tragedy, are the close to 3,000 people who died on that very day instantly. Most who did not have a chance to speak to their loved ones in the way that Sforno imagines Moshe speaking to them. Some of them, as you know, because you've probably heard them, have had opportunities to make phone calls from from a burning tower or from an aer- airplane or leave messages. But most, they left work in the morning, and by the afternoon, they were gone, and their families had to invent comfort from the void. And, of course, another level to this tragedy is all the ways that our country and the world has changed since then. It's true that in the days after... Immediately, we had a sense of uh, at least temporary national unity of purpose, and people seemed to be a little kinder to each other, more patient, more forgiving, more considerate in ways that were uplifting and astounding. And it's also also true that that day changed, at least for now, ongoing for the worse. As I mentioned before, how we look at someone who is different and become suspicious of them. The ease with which people articulate hatred and distrust. Our suspicions change the way that we travel and bring in applesauce through a security door and also how we conduct what once were very routine transactions. And so many people died in the wars of either choice or obligation depending on your politics, but they, whatever wars they were, it's easy to question what they accomplished and it's easy, all too easy to remember how many passed away. As we we're about to say the prayer for our country, I'm going to ask all of you in your own individual spots on this field to say the names of the people individually that you knew who were killed that day, whether they were relatives, people that you knew were living in New York at the time, or the loved ones of relatives, the person whose obituary you read and you thought, that was someone I would have liked to know. Think about those who physically escaped the inferno, who walked miles to safety, but who've probably not had a night of easy dreams since then. We pay tribute to the first responders who walked into that inferno and some did not come out. And we consider the children of that generation, including my own, the ones who were born just before and just after, who are now in their late teens, 20s, early 30s, and who grew up knowing that something terrible happened to us, something that we couldn't articulate, and who know that they grew up in a world that was scary. In this moment, I think we can all be Moshe feeling compelled to go and speak about our own experiences that might be crisp and clear from that morning and comforting each other with words that are specific as we find our way forward towards what we hope will be peaceful and loving promised lands in the future. And before we actually say the prayer for the country, I'm going to invite Rabbi Chorney, Rabbi Schatz, to come forward to read a selection of pieces of prayers and liturgy that people have put together to commemorate this and previous 9-11 commemorations. Creator of all source and shelter, grant a perfect rest under your tabernacle of peace to our brothers and sisters who lost their lives in the 9-11 attacks on the United States. Remember the works of their hands and the message of their heart. Remember all those who were lost in the terror of that day. Grant their families peace and comfort for your name's sake and for the sake of those who perished. Bring an end to violence and terror speedily in our days. May the memories of all those who perished and those who continue to suffer be sanctified with joy and love. May their souls be bound up in the bond of life, a living blessing in our midst. God of the selfless, God of the strong and the brave, grant a perfect rest among the souls of the righteous to those who died in service to others because of the 9-11 attacks on the United States. May their dedication to protecting life serve as a shining lamp of love and the works of their hands bring us all merit in heaven. Bless the souls of all who have died to save others, civilians and professionals, the trained and the untrained, in every age and in every land, men and women who answered the call of honor, duty, and service. May their memories be sanctified with joy and love. May their souls be bound up in the bond of life, a living blessing in our midst. Amen. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts.